Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, church family. Good to be in God's house with God's people. Amen and amen and amen. Did you hear the one I heard about the priest who decided to go, go to Hawaii on vacation? No. <laughs> Let me tell you about him, them. They were determined to make this a real vacation by not wearing anything that would identify them as clergy. And as soon as the plane landed, they headed for a store and they bought some really outrageous shorts, shirts, sandals, sunglasses, etc. The next morning, say the next morning. Next morning, they went to the beach, and they dressed in their tourist garb. They were sitting on the beach chairs and enjoying a drink, the sunshine, the scenery, when a, when, when a good-looking blonde in a, in, in a bathing suit came walking straight toward them. And they couldn't help but stare. And as the blonde passed them by, she smiled and nodded and said, Good morning, Father. Good morning, Father. Addressing each of them individually and and then passed them by. Now they were both stunned. How in the world did she know that we're priests? They asked each other. The next day, someone said the next day. They went back to the store, bought even more outrageous outfits once again. And the two priests in disguise settled on the beach in their chairs to enjoy the sunshine, etc. And after a while, the same gorgeous blonde, taking her sweet time, came walking toward them and greeted them individually. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Father. And started walking away. Now, one of the priests couldn't stand it any longer. And he said, just a minute, young lady. And she said, yes, we are priests and we're proud of it. But I have to know, how in the world did you know we're priests? And the young woman replied, Father, it's me, Sister Angela. <laughs> have you heard what I heard? Come on, somebody. My name is Rick Thompson. I'm the pastor here. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those who are listening online to our new series. I'm calling it Christmas Gossip. And today and over the the Christmas season, we're going to be asking, did you hear what I heard? Did you hear what I heard? And it's going to be some juicy story in the Bible that, that hopefully we're going to shed some light on and hopefully learn from. And it should be some fun. And so I want you to make plans to be here for the next few weeks and invite your friends and family. Amen? We're going to have a good time with this one. Our key verse for this morning is found in the main text. In Luke chapter 1, verse 6, everyone should have an outline, by the way. If you don't have one, raise your hand. Let's get one to you. But Luke chapter 1, verse 6, 65 says, The neighbors were all filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were doing what? They were doing what? They were talking about all these things. Everybody in that area was talking about all these things. Now, the question this morning is, what was it that got all those tongues wagging and the people talking? Well, again, that's the the title and subject of this morning's message. I call it the miracle and the mute priests. Now, who are we talking about? Well, of course, it's John the Baptist's parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth. 
to give some background, both of them were descendants of Aaron, Moses' uh, brother. They came from the priestly line of Levi. And both were about to experience what I call a holy and divine interruption that would meet the definition of a miracle and leave one of them temporarily mute. Now, at the same time, it would break a 400-year silence by God. You see, Luke kind of picks up where Malachi uh, drops off. The, the last Old Testament prophet left off. In Malachi 4, 5, and 6, this is what it says. He says, when I, See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. And so who is Malachi talking about? Who, he, who is the prophet Elijah that he's speaking of? Well, or better, who is the one that's go, who's going to come in the spirit and the power of the prophet Elijah that he prophesied would come? Well, if you know anything about the New Testament, the angel revealed who it was, and Jesus himself revealed who it was. It would be John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Speaking of him in Luke chapter 1, verse 17, it says, And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So what's happening here? Well, I think I'm getting maybe a little bit ahead of myself. So let's pick up the story in Luke chapter 1, verse 5 and find out exactly what got all those people talking about the events of their day. In Luke chapter 1, verse 5, it says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. Someone say blamelessly. I want you to take note of that. That means that they were doing everything the right way they were supposed to be doing. But, verse 7, it says they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in, a, in, in years. So right away, we would, we would, it would appear that we stumbled onto what I call an apparent contradiction. And why do I say that? Because in those days, in those days, it was believed that if a woman was barren for any reason or childless, it was because there was some kind of sin that happened in their line and they were now under a curse. That's what, that's what the, 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 the belief was in those days. And the byproduct of that curse would be that you would end up, or your family line would be cut off, and, and, and it would it'd be worse than that for the people who are experiencing it because back then they had no Social Security, they had no Medicaid, they had no Medicare, they had no Obamacare. All they had was the family. And the elderly parents were entirely dependent on their adult children for support. And if they didn't have any children, they were in trouble as they got older. Can you see that? In fact, it became the law of the land and the expectancy for the adult child to take care of them. Why? Because because when the children were young, the adults took care of them. And so the reciprocal will be when you get older, then now it becomes the responsibility of the children to take care of the adults. That's part of honoring your father and your mother. It was built in the Tenth Commandments. Honor thy father and thy mother that your days will be long in the land. 
So why, when Jesus comes along, he now rebukes the Pharisees and the religious leaders of his time. Why? Because they weren't doing it. They came up with a system, a workaround that they call Corbin. You'll find it in Mark chapter 7, verse 10. It says, for Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and anyone who curses their father and mother is to be what? Oh, man, you know how many deaths there would be today? Can you imagine if that was still the law of the land? Where are my young people? Back in the day, they were put to death according to the law to curse their parents. But you say if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corbin. And that is, that means that it's devoted to God. Then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition. In other words, they made their tradition higher than the law that you have handed down. And you do many things like this. So Jesus is rebuking them. Because of some system, some workaround that they came up with with their finances, they became slick with their finances to help, uh, uh, to avoid uh, them being compelled to help their parents. Whatever money that was supposed to be set aside to help their elderly parents, they now designated it with the help of the church at the time. This is Corbin. This is set aside for God. So now, even though you're struggling, I can't use it for you because it's God's. And this way, Jesus said, you nullify the word of God by your tradition. And he rebuked them. So what was the contradiction with Zechariah and Elizabeth? Well, Zechariah and Elizabeth were, again, barren and well along in years. But it also says that they were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations. So, So her condition wasn't a curse from God at all. In fact, if you take the names of everyone in that family, Zechariah means remembered of the Lord. Elizabeth means oath or covenant of God. And their son-to-be, John, who is Jehovah, is a gracious giver. So that alone should give us a clue that, that even in the silence of barrenness, even in, when things look broken, listen to me, God may be setting you up for a blessing. Come on, somebody. I don't care how bad things look at the moment. That's not the end of the story, amen? And just because it's not here yet doesn't mean it's not coming. I'm talking to somebody out here today. Somebody's been thrown into God's waiting room and, 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 and you're concerned about the, 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 the feelings of barrenness that you're feeling because you're, 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 you're overwhelmed with you know, anxiety, you're overwhelmed with, with, with financial issues, you're overwhelmed with problems in your family. And I got news for you today. It ain't over till God says it's over. Yeah. Amen. And so the story goes on in Luke chapter eight, Luke chapter one, verse eight. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing in the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Listen, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, 
for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. Verse 19, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. Why? Because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After his wife Elizabeth became pregnant for, uh, and for five months remained in seclusion, the Lord has done this to me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Now, again, what disgrace has she, was she talking about? She was, she, again, at the time when the, if the women were barren and she was well along in past childbearing age, it was considered to be a disgrace or a curse from God on them. And so that's why she's saying God has taken away my disgrace among the people. Luke chapter 1, verse 57. The birth of John the Baptist. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her, Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to him to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to the father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free. And he began to speak, praising God. And all the neighbors were filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking all about these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Drop down to verse 80. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. And so what was it that got their tongues wagging? What was it that, that caused a stir all throughout the hill country of Judea? The fact that God, through Zechariah and Elizabeth, with the birth of John the Baptist, had broken a 400-year silence in the prophetic with the good news of great joy and God's faithfulness to them, listen to me, as well as us, as we're going to see today. When did God begin to work out all these things? Did it start with this particular encounter with Gabriel speaking to Zechariah? No. Did it begin with Malachi at the beginning of the long 400-year silence? No. Ephesians 2.10 gives us a clue. It says, for we, someone say we, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do what? Turn to someone and say, God's got work for you. 
to do good work which what God prepared when? In advance for us to do. In advance for us to do. That means that God is, God is not an afterthought sort of God. And he's not a, a let me start something and not finish it God either. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Turn to somebody and say, don't worry, God's not finished with me yet. Come on, somebody. God's going to finish what he began. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't let the devil lie to you. Don't let the devil tell you, no, you've blown it. You've gone too far. You know, this thing, this, this thing you've said, this thing you've done. You don't understand. I've sinned. My Bible says where sin abounds, grace even more abounds. Come on, somebody. There's nothing that can keep you away from the, the plans and the purposes of God except you quitting. Turn to someone and say, don't quit. Don't quit. Believe what God says. Now, with all that said, I'm gonna, I've come up with four important observations coming from this story that I think is important for us to know this Christmas season. Number one, we've t- talked about part of it already. Sometimes silence is part of God's plan. Sometimes silence is part of the plan. And just because he's silent doesn't mean he's idle, as we saw with the 400 years of silence between the Old and the New Testament, and as we're going to see today or seeing today with the silence of Zechariah. How many know that sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is to just stop talking? Oh, my goodness. If we could just regulate the stuff coming out of our mouths, we'll come back to that. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. He says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still oftentimes is a nice way of saying, Be quiet or, 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 or shut up. <laughs> Let me tell you something. God doesn't necessarily respond to our complaints or our doubts as we see with Zechariah. He responds to faith. Amen? And if you can't speak faith in in a situation or circumstances, sometimes the best thing you can do is just be still. Just be quiet. Okay? And again, Zechariah learned this the hard way, having received the word from the Lord, from which was clearly an angel of the Lord, a word of a coming blessing. And he decided instead to focus not on the blessing, but he started to focus on his circumstances more than his God. When the word came, well, how can this be? I am old. My wife is old. We're long in ears. And he started to focus on those things. And, and his doubt resulted in him being made, well, the devil said, you know what? I mean, the angel said, what, what, what I'm going to do for you is I'm just going to shut your mouth. I'm just going to shut you up. Which, again, in my opinion, was God saying, I'm not going to let you blow your own blessing with the stuff coming out your mouth. And for the next few months, he was forced to practice what I call deliberate and quiet attentiveness before the Lord until his blessing manifested. Now, in this respect, 
Did you know that silence can be worship as well? Come on, somebody. We see this in Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. It says, when the Lamb broke the seventh seal, there was silence throughout heaven for about a half an hour. In other words, after the seventh seal was broken, a holy hush came over all of the heavens, and it was silent. What would happen if uh, over the next few days and weeks and months we take the time to be silent before the Lord? Rather than complaining and confetching and doing all sorts of things, after you make your petition, don't get me wrong, I'm a, I'm a pray out loud person, but at some point, prayer is a two-way conversation. You speak, and then you listen. you listen. We might just hear God speak to us. Sometimes silence is part of God's plan. Let me give you number two. Don't stop believing that God can change things. That's to say, like I said, that just because he doesn't answer you, your prayer right away doesn't mean to stop asking and believing for it. My Bible says those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Amen? Amen. God had heard Zechariah's prayer, and he was waiting for the right time to answer it. Listen to me today. Our business isn't to know the how and the why. It's simply to trust God and obey. Trust him and obey him. The third observation that I take from the story is we need to start looking, looking for the wondrous and not just the obvious. Now, again, let me explain. He was old. His wife was old. Biologically, they were past childbearing years. That's, that's the obvious. But my Bible says that when Christ appears, he shall be called what? Wonderful. Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Come on, somebody. In other words, we serve a miracle-working God. When he shows up, things can change. <laughs> when he shows up, the Red Sea just might part. Come on, somebody. The giant may just fall down. Come on, somebody. The walls come tumbling down when he shows up. And my, pro my promise to me is that I'm not facing any situation at all by myself. And so I, I want to start looking for the wondrous instead of just looking for the, for the obvious. Isn't that what Gabriel told Mary? He says, what is, what's impossible with man is possible with God. So stop telling God the obvious and stop giving him your list of limitations. I can't because of X, Y, Z. This is not going to happen because of all these things in front of me. Start trusting him from the wondrous. Was anybody here last week? Anybody hear the penny story? It doesn't take much to, 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 for God to work things out in our lives. And I didn't share, from that day to this day, I know a lot of people, when they see a penny, they just walk past it. Me? Not, not so much now that COVID has 
going on <laughs> for, for, for years. And I see a penny, I pick that up. You know why I pick that thing up? Because written right on that penny are the words, in God we trust. Amen? In God we trust. Stop telling God the obvious. And start trusting him for the wondrous. Let me give you the fourth. Christmas is a time for telling and retelling the story. Not, not, not just the one about the jolly old guy in the red suit that lives in the North Pole. We've all heard that story. And not just the one about the Christmas season, what, is, where, what do they call it, what, Black Friday, where there's compulsory shopping. Well, now they have Grey Thursday, which is Thanksgiving <laughs> evening, then Black Friday, and then Cyber Monday, and then I just saw something in Cyber Week is about to come to an end. I mean, so now it's not just Monday, it's the whole week, and it's all supposed to be of shopping. They did throw in, uh, <laughs> maybe you could give on Tuesday, but get back to shopping on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, on Saturday. And unfortunately for many people, that's what the Christmas season has become. Time to go shopping. That's not the story I'm talking about. I was, we were in um, Disney when Pastor Alex came. And we were in our RV at Fort Wilderness. And we decorated our RV for Thanksgiving. Well, you know, you've got uh, the fall colors and all these other things. And other people had already been decking their place out with Christmas, as if Thanksgiving didn't even exist. And one lady pulled up to ours and said, I just want to say thank you to you guys. I said, why is that? Because... We're not even at Thanksgiving yet, and everyone has bypassed it and gone to Santa and elves and all this other stuff as if to forget the Thanksgiving. And you guys have purposely not, and we've done that even with our house. Our house was, we decorated it for Thanksgiving while the Santa Claus things were going, you know, doing this, and the houses were already lit up, you know. We cannot forget the real meaning for Christmas, and we cannot forget to retell the real Christmas story. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for who? All the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord and the church said folks if you want to gossip about something gossip about that gossip about the good news that truly worth sharing as we're going to see in this series over the next few weeks plan on being here invite your friends and your family join us here online like share the message that you hear online as well so as many people as possible could hear the good news and the retelling of the story of the real story of Christmas 
He's wonderful. He's our counselor. He's our mighty God. He's our everlasting Father. Amen. His name is, is Jesus. Jesus. And so with that, listen, it would be my pleasure and my honor to introduce you to my Savior and my Lord. Uh, apart from the hustle and the bustle um, of what the season generally becomes, literally one, one, one thing says he's the Prince of Peace. And so if you want peace to enter into your life, into your home, make him a priority Amen. this season. Make him, a, 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 you know, elevate him in your house and in your heart and start trusting that he has the ability to, even in the barrenness of our situation, to bring about a blessing no matter what is going on in our lives. Do you believe that? I believe that with all my heart. So as we come to a close this morning, let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes. And if you've not yet accepted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, it's my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer of commitment to him. Say something like this from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I come before you today and I acknowledge that I am a sinner and I need a Savior and Jesus is my Savior. He's that wondrous gift. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to focus on the real meaning. Not be discouraged in your silence. Help me to believe that you can change things. Help me to focus on the wondrous and not the, just the obvious. And help me to be an instrument or a vessel for you in such a time as now to tell and retell the real Christmas story. Fill me with your spirit, with your power, with your love. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all said, Amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.